This is JimPinto.com, e-news number 309, 17th of December 2012. This e-news is read by Jim's text-to-speech robot, McJimbo, or McJimbot, if you prefer. As usual, there are five items and three feedbacks in this issue of e-news. Item 1. The super-rich. In the last few decades what it means to be rich has changed dramatically. The greatest income gap is not between the rich 1% and the remaining 99%. Even within the top 1%, the ordinarily wealthy are left behind by the rapidly expanding fortunes of the new global super-rich. The wealthiest 0.1% are rapidly outpacing the rest. The Economist, special report on the world economy, describes the dramatic concentration of incomes that has occurred over the past 30 years. The pattern of inequality is especially glaring in the U.S., in terms of both absolute inequality and recent trends. The share of national income going to the wealthiest 1% of Americans has doubled since 1980, from 10% to 20%. The share going to the highest 100th of 1%, only 16,000 families, has quadrupled during the same time from just over 1% to nearly 5%. The gap continues to grow because the capitalist system favors wealth. Plutocrats are in a league of their own, making their own rules. In her new book, Plutocrats, The Rise of the New Global Super-Rich, Krista Freeland, an acclaimed business journalist who has spent 20 years reporting on the new trans-global elite cracks open this tight-knit world of the new global super-rich. She shows how the world's 1,000 billionaires control the economic and political institutions of their nation. Crony capitalism has deep political roots. In 2010, there were 11,140 lobbyists in Washington for 432 congressmen, or 25.8 lobbyists per congressman. They have been allowed to tilt rules in their favor. We Americans are ashamed of the political bribery in our country but seem to be powerless to do anything about it. More in future e-news. Item 2. Self-driving cars. Google's driverless cars are already street legal in three states, California, Florida, and Nevada. According to Ford, the self-driving car will be available within five years. All autonomous cars will be in showrooms as early as 2019. Essentially, Smart cars will communicate with other vehicles on the road so they don't crash into each other. They'll also have the ability to sense and respond to the surrounding infrastructure, stop signs, street lights, guardrails, and other basic transportation signals. Eventually they'll be able to drive better and more safely than people, no drinking, no distractions, better reflexes, and better awareness of other vehicles. In Google's ongoing driverless car project, the Google fleet has driven accident-free for over 300,000 miles making it clear that the concept is completely viable. The entire setup costs about $150,000, which is obviously well beyond the reach of 99% of drivers, but clearly this cost will scale down quickly. Autonomous vehicles communication systems will make it possible to route traffic dynamically to maximize flow and minimize travel times, with increased road capacity. No more traffic lights, traffic jams and road rage. Consider this list of benefits. Fewer collisions, computers are better at focused, repetitive tasks such as driving. Dynamic routing, increased roadway capacity and reduced traffic congestion. 
relief from driving chores, people can sleep, watch movies, read books, or whatever, instead of the stress of driving. No restrictions, everyone can enjoy traveling regardless of physical abilities, age, or other limitations. No more drunk drivers and innocent victims. No need to find parking, driverless cars will drop off passengers, then go to park until signaled for pickup. Improved energy efficiency, minimization of start-stop driving, and elimination of the weight of the unnecessary drivers. Car sharing, services, like zip cars available today, will be much more practical and inexpensive than car ownership. Reduce need for traffic police, red light cameras, and other safety enforcement measures. Cargo transport and delivery vehicles will have no need for drivers. Here's an interesting thought, because the much higher risk of accidents, within a couple of decades people may not be legally allowed to drive their own cars. Hmm, my grandson won't learn to drive. Item 3. Anti-fragile. A new wave of statisticians is changing the way the world is viewed. Have you seen the 2003 movie, Mummy Ball? It demonstrates that the way big teams evaluate players rarely reflects ability. Statistics counts. Nassim Nicholas Taleb's new book is, Antifragile, Things That Gain From Disorder. What Taleb calls, Antifragile, is the category of things that not only gain from chaos and stress, but need it to survive and flourish. Just as human bones get stronger when subjected to stress and tension, and rumors or riots intensify when someone tries to repress them, many things in life benefit from stress, disorder, volatility, and turmoil. Antifragile is beyond resilient, the resilient merely resists shocks and stays the same, the antifragile actually becomes stronger. Antifragile gains from randomness and uncertainty, and more important, adapts through errors. It's better to be stupid and antifragile than smart and fragile. Anything that gains from random events is antifragile. The tragedy of modernity is that those that are protected the most are often hurt the most. Just like not exercising causes muscles to weaken, complex systems are weakened when deprived of stressors. Just like kids who are spoiled by overprotective parents, societies are spoiled by governments trying to relieve stress. It actually weakens the system. Consider this. The protected are fragile. The anti-fragile will survive. Item 4. Mentor Power. There are few things in the business world that are as effective and worthwhile as a good personal mentoring relationship. Mentors made a tremendous difference for me, personally, during the startup phases of Action Instruments, the company I founded. When the company was just a few months old, I went to the local U.S. Small Business Administration office for free advice through their Service Corps of Retired Executives, SCORE, program. I knew very little about finance and banking and checked those office areas where I needed help. I soon received a call from a retired senior vice president at a major bank, who prepared me for my first banking relationship. Through his mentoring, I signed up for a line of credit. Eventually we got major financing at terms that saved my company big bucks over the next several years. Another SBA mentor was a retired director of planning at a billion-dollar research organization who took me under his wing. He kept insisting that we should develop long-term plans covering two, three, and five years. 
As the company grew, this planning process became an invaluable tool and the regular planning discipline helped make us successful. How does one develop good mentors? You've got to be bold and have a good personal approach. I remember calling Bill Hewlett, the co-founder of Hewlett Packard. I told him that I was an engineer like him, starting my own company and asked if I could meet with him at his convenience. His friendliness and open responses to my rookie questions served as advice which served me well. When we were done, I said, your help is worth a million dollars to me. How can I ever repay you? His candid response has remained with me for the rest of my life. You can indeed pay, simply by giving advice to any engineer who asks for it sincerely, as you did. I have tried to live up to that promise ever since. An effective mentoring relationship develops over time. A good mentor provides expert knowledge, support, empathy, respect and, most important, the wisdom of experience. Mentoring is an essential leadership skill. It's good for business, and good for the spirit. Item 5. My Email Season's Greetings. My poem, My Email Christmas, was first written on Christmas Eve, 1975. It has been published and sent via email countless times. Some people email it back to me, not realizing that I wrote it. Let me give you my 2012 updated version. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the house. Not a creature was stirring, except for my mouse. My neighbor awoke to ask what was the matter. Twas not Santa Claus, twas my keyboard clatter. One would think that past midnight, I'd be fast asleep. But why does my email go click click and beep beep? Cause elsewhere in the world it's tomorrow already. And my flood of email comes in strong, fast and steady. While old fashioned types still send their regards. By snail mail with postage and hard copy Christmas cards. While others send few cards with stamps and lick lick. I send thousands of email cards with a click. With most people in bed all cozy and curled. My one little mouse clicks and z news round the world. For my cyberspace friends I just copy and paste. My cute email greetings just in time with no waste. I type, Freulich Weinachten, for my German friends. My Feliz Navidad, Spanish greetings extends. And my English buddies get a, chinchin old chap. Put a shrimp on the barbie. Is my down under wrap? But please cyber friends. Don't email too much. Don't just have a virtual Christmas, go touch. I wish you all a good time and good cheer. To all, season's greetings. And a happy new year. As usual, there are three feedbacks in this issue of E-News. Feedback 1. Roger Lovrenich was surprised that he got such a strong response to his recent comments on the emerging economies of China and India. Roger writes. Large economic dislocations inevitably redistribute wealth. History teaches us that those who find themselves in a worse relative position will mount some form of resistance, usually political. The major economic disruptions of the past, industrialization, railroads, steel and autos, created their own nemesis. I feel justified in predicting that the emergence of huge economies in China and India will redistribute the wealth of many peoples and nations creating a notable backlash from some quarters. The resulting wealthy will be happy with their new affluence and will not view it as ill-gotten gains. Thousands of their employees may judge differently. 
It is man's nature to feel mistreated even if his financial circumstances have doubled when all those about him have quadrupled their wealth. Relative wealth and the resulting social positioning has proven to be much more motivating than wealth itself. Dissatisfaction and the sense of unfairness can become a potent social driving force. The liberal faction of society is traditionally more responsive to these issues than the conservative element of society. I feel justified in using the term firebrand liberals as defining those most likely to be at the forefront of the resistance movement. When everyone is equal, theoretical communism, it is literally impossible to get traction for the underdog when everyone is the underdog. Feedback 2. Harold Muma doesn't like my continual ragging on the U.S. university system, says Harold. With all the deteriorating institutions in the U.S., our university system is still the envy of the world. Our college is bloated and inefficient. Sure. Do many of them promise a great future just for securing a degree? Sure. But in the end the free market economy runs on supply and demand, and the universities are simply responding to the demand. Attending a top university in person, in real time, is much more useful than e-learning will ever be. The student learns critical thinking in groups and teams, learns time management and communication skills with study groups, learns responsibility by handling finances, course demands, group living, etc. These are the skills future employers will need and will continue to look for. Come on, let's go solve some real issues like healthcare, energy, global warming, the list is endless. The U.S. university system is where most of the answers will come from. Feedback 3. Trevor Spinney from Canada encourages me to continue to publish e-news. He provides some welcome topic suggestions. Trevor wrote. While I admit I don't read your newsletters on the day they arrive in my inbox and sometimes not in the month, sorry. I do always read them. I am happy you have decided to continue writing e-news when time and topic allows. I find your highlights of today's thought leaders, the books they write, and current and future topics in technology and competitiveness to be very enriching. Your posts often lead me into very interesting territory. Your September post on Michio Kaku was especially interesting. I forwarded the YouTube presentation on the role physics plays in our daily lives and what might come in the near future to both my daughters. I am constantly on the lookout for unique pieces that communicate the value of sciences to them. Well, that's this issue of e-news. Please send us your feedback. Send your email to Jim at jimpinto.com. Thank you for listening.